Hello, everyone. Welcome back to your favorite Uncle Nephew podcast. It's Ellie and Censored, and we're right back here after an extended vacation. Let's put it that way. Um, this time, we're hoping to bring you more regular content. And we've actually decided to bring in some Robbie talk onto the podcast. So I'm going to kick it off right now with Uncle Leslie. Um, England's 33-man squad for the World Cup later this year was announced yesterday. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, for me, I think it's a very interesting squad because a number of those players in the squad are actually in the last team that got to the World Cup finals. So I think it's like I think it's like 12 or 13 of the squad, I can't remember exactly, in the, the last World Cup final. And at the time, they were the, in essence, one of the youngest teams there to get through to the final. So there's been a lot of talk about how poorly this England team have been playing and everything else. And the loss to Wales at the weekend, I think, and they allowed the Steve Borthwick, the England team coach, to make us some firm decisions about some of the players he wanted to keep in and keep out. So I think, I actually think England are going to do a lot better than other people think in this World Cup. A lot of England are currently ranked number five in the world. But I actually think, which probably means we shouldn't even get to the quarterfinals, but I actually think we could surprise people and do a lot better. I mean, we're also in a pretty weak group as well, which means it's easier for us. But I think we've, we've, we've got a good opportunity. I like the, um, I, I mean, I think one of the things that's really and truly been established is that Owen Farrell really is the genuine number 10. And I think that uh, the people who have been clamoring for Marcus Smith even though I'm a big Harlequins fan, that Marcus Smith is probably going to be the second or third choice, I think is quite good. I think the other side to it is probably we're weak in centre. I think there's only, we've got two crash ball centres really in Lawrence and Tuolagi, though you could actually say that Lawrence has got a bit more subtlety to him than Tuolagi. So that probably means also that there's an opportunity really for Owen Farrell to play 12, which is the inside centre position. So I, I, I quite like our, I like our chances. I think my only concern is we're probably a bit light up front. So if we come up against South Africa at any time, I mean, South Africa tend to, tend to dominate us and beat us up up front. Um, but I, I like us. And I also, I think we've got some people with some genuine pace with Anthony Watson on the wing. I really do like uh, Arundel. Uh, he's actually disappearing off to France. So I, he's a he's a real player in my opinion. So I like our chances. So as a as a first task for us to talk about rugby on this podcast, I I'm going to say here that England will definitely get to the, the the at least the semi-finals of the Rugby World Cup. I'm I'm I think the team that we've chosen is quite good. Um, I know you probably got a few Saffa fans listening to this, given the fact that. You know, we have South African relatives in the family, so they'll be supporting South Africa. But uh, I, I give I give our chances as quite high. I think that Steve Borthwick, I think if he can just take the chains off the team, I think we could surprise a lot of people. The team have been there. We I think they've got an, an attitude now. It's going to be them against us. And I think if we can just raise our game just by a small amount, by the time we get to the to the semi-finals, I think we've got chances. So okay. there you go. That's an interesting one. So is it two groups with five teams each? No, no, there's four groups. 
Um, in fact, and they're, play, they're playing them all over France in actual fact. In fact, I've got tickets to go and see um, Samoa versus Chile. I mean, oh, Chile nice. qualified by beating America to get through, which is quite amazing. America so I'm going to be seeing that game in Bordeaux. Yeah, I'm going to, going to Bordeaux to see that game in September. So that should be good fun. That's quite nice. Um, I'm guessing you went Samoa and Chile. I, I didn't realize there were massive um, rugby nations, to be honest. Yeah, no, Samoa is a very strong. The Pacific Islands rugby teams are very, very strong. I think what tends to happen is because they're, you, you tend to find that there isn't very much work for these big guys and that they don't have very strong local leagues. A lot of the top players go and play abroad. And what you find, for example, there's a lot of Samoans and Tongans and even Fijians playing for um, New Zealand and also playing for Australia and also for and some of the other countries out there as well where there's money. So, uh, yeah, so they, they're, they're very strong. The, the, what they lack really is financial structure to really bring the game on. Fiji is probably because of their sevens capability, uh, probably the most dominant of the Pacific nations. Yeah. But, uh, mm. yeah, they're all quite strong. They're all very, very strong. Yeah. Okay. They just don't tend to last against the Western European teams in terms of, you know, the Europeans or the Australians and South Africans and New Zealands when they come against them. They sort of run out of steam. But they can match, generally can match up physically, which is the big thing. Okay. The, that's pretty The good. surprising team is the, yeah, the surprising team not to be that's going to be is, is America. I think that, considering they've got a professional league, um, you would have thought they would have easily better qualified, but they've struggled. So yeah, I genuinely didn't know Americans played rugby. I always just thought because they've got Amer- the NFL and all that anyway, they would just like flock to that side, flock to that sport. I didn't know rugby well, was a big thing over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rugby is very big in universities. So what's now happened is there's, they, they've created an American Pro League in rugby. Mm-hmm. And what's now happened is there is actually a draft. So the top players get drafted. Uh, into the various professional teams. So it, it, it's it's a growing sport. I mean, it's just disappointing that they didn't qualify. That would have helped the overall image and profile of the game over in America, but not to qualify. And to get beaten by really... I mean, Uruguay are very, very strong, which is why they, they tend to qualify. But I think a lot of people would expect America to beat Chile, but they didn't. So that's what happens. Okay. But, yeah. so They're coming through. Actually- I've actually got the groups in front of me. So mm. um, I'm going to go through them one by one, and I want you to give me your final, how you think they would rank at the end of the group stage. So okay. Group A, New Zealand, France, Italy, Uruguay, and Namibia. What do you think those okay. guys land? Well, let me tell you who's going to qualify, because that's dead easy. It's going to be France, New Zealand are going to qualify. They're the top two teams. Italy are basically a second tier nation even they play in the in the top in in the in the top uh, six nations but they're 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 quite weak so new zealand so the top two that's going to be a toss-up i mean south i mean france are playing at home so we would expect france and new zealand aren't as good as they should be so it should make so it should be france one new zealand two uh italy will be three uruguay will beat namibia so that's how it's going to finish Okay, it's almost exactly how it's stated on here. Mm. Um, group B, 
this is apparently the group of death from what I hear. Yep. South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Tonga, Romania. Well, the interesting one here is there's only two teams in there. I mean, despite how good Scotland played against the French B team, they, they only, Scotland basically got, got hammered in the first half against France's B team on the weekend. They were 21-3 down. And then they came out in the second half and they played really well. And that was the French, that was the Scotland's number one team. So, but they're not good enough. So it's going to be Ireland one, South Africa two. That could be a toss. It could be the other way around. Depends how it goes. But Ireland should have ranked number one in the world. I think it's going to be, it's going to be South Africa two. Yeah. It's going to be Scotland three. And yeah, who's the final two? Rem- yeah, Romania are going to be four and the other, and Tonga are going to be at the bottom. Okay. Because Romania are quite good. They've got a big pack. They play in, a lot of players play in France. So they've got a good, you know, they're a lot better than people think they are. Okay. Again, these are countries, some of these countries, I just never knew played rugby. I just didn't know <laughs> it, was a, it was a thing in them. Well, it's called a World Cup for a reason, you know. It means that uh, anybody yeah. who's got a team can call it I mean, can play. If you think about it, NBA and all that, when they win it, they call it World Championship. So you just never know, like, yeah, it's valid. What they're on about? Uh, yeah. Group C: Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia, Portugal. Now this is the interesting group because, in many ways, I mean, most people would expect Australia and Wales to qualify from this group. Wales by beating England. I mean, I had had doubts about because Portugal are quite an interesting country. They, they've they've started to play some decent rugby, and Wales have just been struggling for a bit. But given the way that Wales beat dismantled England in the second half at the weekend, my expectation will be it's going to be Australia Wales. But I wouldn't be surprised if Wales beat Australia. To be honest, no, no, they won't. Eddie Jones has got them up for it. Australia first, Wales second. Portugal, I think, will be third. I, I, I've got quite a lot of time for the Portuguese. And the other two are just a toss-up. Who cares? <laughs> it's Fiji and Georgia. Okay. Yeah, yeah well, Fiji... No, Fiji... Yeah, I mean, Fiji should be better than they are. They've got Fiji have got the best backs in the world. You I mean, you, when they're on, they are tremendous. And some people might say they've got a chance to beat... They should. A lot of people actually believe that, that Fiji should beat Portugal. But this is my group of surprises. I actually believe that Portugal could actually beat Fiji. And, I, and you're hearing it here first because Fiji got the most brilliant backs, but the forwards just seem, don't seem to bring their A game together at the right time. And they all seem to run out of steam after about, 70, about 50, 60 minutes for some reason. And I think Portugal are going to surprise. I think that Portugal could surprise them. I really do. I mean, I know that the, the, in world standings, Fiji are above them. and. But, I mean, I saw some of the Fiji games when they played Tonga. They, they just ran out of steam. They, they they were brilliant for the first 30 minutes. And then they just ran out of steam. I was really surprised. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's interesting. Interesting to hear all these things. I wonder what... Hmm. I, I'm really actually looking forward to the World Cup now, just to see how these play. Yeah, out. my predictions. Yeah. yeah. And final one, Group D. England, Japan, Argentina, Samoa, and Chile. Right. 
England first. Yep. I think we're going to... Um, Argentina are going to be second because us against Argentina. I think we can both beat Japan who will come third. Yeah. Uh, Chile, and, and I'm going to the Chile-Samoa game, as I said before. I actually say I, Chile surprised everybody by beating USA. So, but I mean, Samoa should be too strong, even in my head. I, I, I think... I think Chile's World Cup was beating was beating America to get here. I think for them to do anything beyond that, I think is really beyond for them to get. If they score, if they score five, if they score more than three tries across all the games, that will be a major achievement for them. I just don't think they'll even do that. Okay. Yeah, you know, I I think I don't know what happened to America. I just don't understand how they lost that game. You know what? I'm going to see if I can send that clip to the Chilean um, rugby team just so, they, <laughs> just so they can give you a show in the Chile Samoa game. Oh, no. Or because Chile. when I'm in the ground. Yeah, just so you can watch Actually, a lot of tries, you know. Oh. Yeah, good game going. Yeah, it's true. Well, I hope they do well because, of course, I'm South, I've got South American blood in me. So I would like to see a South American, another South American team do well. Yeah, but you've but, got uh, you've got Guyana, Guyanese, Guyanese, Guyana, Guyana, yeah, Guyanese, yeah, Chile, and that's on the other side of South America. Chile's on the other side, so you're quite right. But uh, I'm I'm curious to see what they do. I mean, if if they, yeah, I'm gonna I've got to be realistic. I think if they score three or four tries, that'd be fantastic for them. That to me is their goal. True. That's an interesting and one. And to keep it under, and also to keep it under fifty in every game. Under fifty. In every so, game. That's, so no one's is going to score fifty against them. That's no. I think everyone's going to score fifty against them. That's what I'm saying. So that's oh. going to be their, their target. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so we really we're giving them a really low bar here. Okay. Um, I'm giving them a low bar. That would be interesting to see if. What you say actually turns out to be true. That would be a very yeah. big thing. That would be. Uh, I'd love that. And I'd love to be wrong. I really would love to be wrong. <laughs> and that would be one of my highlights. That's what I'm saying. I'm, going, I'm actually going to the game against Samar. Hmm. And uh, I'll be interested to see what happens. And if, yeah. and if you know, they, if they somehow or another beat Samar, well, I'll tell you what, that'd be fantastic. I will be drinking whatever the Chileans drink. I'll be drinking it. <laughs> that works. Okay. Speaking of World Cups, I'm going to introduce, I'm going to move into the top five now. So, okay. Top five, this is a section we've created and it's basically going to be around sports. So, it could be top five facts, it could be a top five trivia question, it could be just top five anything, really. So, today, I've got top five and it's related to World Cups. It's the women's top five all-time top scorers in Women's World Cup for football. Um, I'll give you a bit of leeway here because there's actually seven names. But... I've got, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I don't know. It's the Brazilian woman. It's the Brazilian woman who scored is uh, it's got to be the leading player. Marta. I think she's probably Marta. So she's yeah. got to be at the top of the list. She is number one at seventeen goals. 
Um, oh, that's you, good. The... Three of them here, what? three of the names on this list are three of the names I've always known. Like, I remember watching, it was back in 2007. I don't know why, but uh. were, I can't remember why, but there were some World Cup games on. This was back in Nigeria. And I remember there were three Brazilians and one German player whose names always stuck with me. It was Marta, well, gonna... Christian, and I can't remember the third one for Brazil. And then Brigitte Prince for Germany. Those names, I don't know why, uh, but they were the ones that always... It's stuck in your mind. Okay. For me, it's a Marta's number one. Um, I was going to go for a German, the German centre forward, but Germ- I know Germany didn't even qualify for this World Cup. But we're going to go for of, a German anyway. You're thinking of Brigitte, Bridget, Bridget Prince, who's exactly what I was talking about. Prince, because she's yeah. tied number two on fourteen. Ah, so I was I was right then to go yeah. with her then. You got top two. Oh no, that's I've got two. Oh wow. As for anybody else, I've got no idea. Um, I've got. Give me some, you know, and even if you gave me clues, I have to tell you, I've not looked at the, the, the Women's World Cup. I've got yeah. to be totally honest with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, all time, so it's not just like this one. Yeah, but even if you, I've, I've got no ideas. I'm yeah. sorry. Get, you're going to have to tell me who they are. To be, I'm not going to lie. I googled some of these names before as my research, so I, I wouldn't have been able to give you the top five. But it's all about learning, isn't it? So, mm. top five, Marta, number one on 17 goals. Brigitte Prince and Abby Wambach, joined second on 14. Michelle... Hey, is, is, what's that? I was going to say, is, what about... I was going to get, get, have another clue. There's got to be an American in there somewhere. It's two Americans. What about... Okay, what about uh, Reipner? Whatever her name is. The uh, girl who's married to the... Oh, Abby Ram... Um, uh, um, not... Uh, Rapino. Uh, Rapino. Is Rapino yeah. in there? She's not. Actually, Abby Wambach is American. Oh. 14. Joint second. Oh. Uh, third, the, in fourth, is Michelle Akers, another American, with 12. And then, mm. joint fifth, we have Christiane from Brazil, Wen Soon from China, sorry, Soon Wen from China, and Bettina Wigman mm. from Germany, all on 11. I think, um, yeah, that's fair. Like, I don't know a lot of people would be able to guess that, but no, I wouldn't. You, you found me out there. You found my Achilles heel. It was, it was a valiant (laughs) effort. You got top two. You got top two. I got two. I'm quite, yeah, I got, I would have thought Ratner would have been in there. Because she's the one who's married to the basketball player, the female basketball player. Yeah. Sue she married Bird. to Sue Bird or Tazan? To, to yeah, she made a great player. Sue yeah. Bird is fantastic. And actually, Ripner is a brilliant footballer as well. I have seen her. Um, you know, when, when America when America were really strong at football, she was superb, a really clever player. Yeah. And Sue Bird is just, well, Sue Bird is, you know. She, I actually think Sue Bird could even have played in the NBA. I think she's that good as a point guard, as a backup point guard. I think Sue Bird could have played in the men's, men's mm-hmm. game. I always, I think yeah. Exactly. I mean, I try to follow the WNBA every now and again. But the argument here is mm. Sue Bird and Diana Tour Rossi. Who would you say is yeah. the goat? The goat? Yeah. Cheryl Miller. I'd say none of them. I'd go with Cheryl Miller all day long. Okay. 
Um, not sure who that is. I don't think. Ah, oh, man. See, okay. Cheryl Mill never played in a WNBA, in fairness. So that, that's, yeah. So in fairness, that's probably an unfair choice. I might have even gone with, see, I know, yeah. I, I, I would expand it. I really like Lisa Leslie's game, who's the center. He played for LA, LA Sparks. Um, but between the two, okay, Sue, okay, go with Sue Bird. I'll go with Sue Bird because I think she's as a guard, she could actually play in the NBA as a backup point guard. Or Tourette's is a great Tourette's is a great player, but I don't know. But I would have gone with Cheryl. I mean, I wouldn't in top in terms of top female players who I've seen. Uh, Lisa Leslie, I think, is a great player. She's not that much bigger than me. Actually, she's about the same height as me. She's about 6'3", six, 6'3", three, six, three and a bit, 6'4". Yeah. It's quite many, many years ago. Yeah, many, many years ago, I went to the, uh, the World Student Games that were held in the UK, and I saw the, the men's team play, the men, World Student teams play, and I saw the, the women's team play. And I stood beside um, Lisa Leslie, and I thought, man, you're not as big as I thought you were. She was like the same height as me. So I thought, okay. But man, she, she could play. She could yeah. play. So I'll go, yeah, I would go with Lisa Les. I really like her game. But okay, but of the two you gave me, Super. Okay. That's fair enough. I mean, I don't think I've watched the NBA, WNBA or followed it that long that I can yeah. give an answer. So I'll take your word for it. I trust your expertise mm. and I'll take your word for it. Right. Hmm. So, have you? What do you think? Have you seen the latest news? Tottenham, Harry Kane, and all that. What are you thinking? What did, what did I? What did I say to you ages ago? What teams you would go to? And I. What did I mention? Who? What? What German team did I say to you? Bayern Munich. Yeah. You said. <laughs> yeah. You were absolutely spot on. Hundred percent right. Yeah. I remember doubting it, but again, your expertise trumps all. So I will give you that one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that he's got. It makes sense for me. One, it's a chance him to go and play in a. It's a more comfortable league, a more technical league. And yeah. to be honest, he's a technical player. He is. You know, and, that, and I think he'll flourish, he'll flourish in that. I also think that will help the England team as well because it's. Yeah, I, it, for me, that's the right league for him. He's got a, he's got a chance of winning something, which is the the key for him. He wants to win something. Yeah. And I said to you beforehand, going to Man United, but I don't think he's going to win anything there, and it's too late for him to go to Man City with Haaland there because, like, the, the best one in the world, Haaland's the best finisher in world True. football. I don't care who you say. True. I put I put Haaland up against anybody, you know. So for me, that's that's where he's going to go. I tell you what's interesting to me is what do you think about this situation with the Saudi League? You seen that one that they've offered one hundred thirty offered to sell at one hundred thirty six million pound a, a year to come and play? It's outrageous the money there. The... Yeah, even the Mbappe one, it was what was it they offered Mbappe? It was going to be like a million an hour or something. Uh, 279 million dollars for a year. His year yearly contract. It was well. It was just for a year because his contract at PSG is yeah. next year, and they were saying, "Look, we'll let you go to Real next year. Just come to us for a year." Uh, I think it's incredible. I spoke to several people about this, and the one thing a lot of people are saying is 
is it sustainable to keep paying players this much money? Um, I think with the Saudi PIF fund, it's very yeah. hard to say it won't be sustainable because what they're trying to do here is not just attract through money, but try and get all the best players in the world. They've got the likes of Cristiano, they've got um, Mane, they've got all these guys. Um, getting in Ruben Neves in the prime of his career was still yeah. trying to go for Mitrovic. And I think what they're trying to show the world and other players worldwide is why would you want to come here? We've got, we'll give you great money. We give you, you get to play with the best of the best. Like, it's not going to be like a retirement league in many, in the way many people see the MLS. But the one side of it is, that's one side of it. The other side is Mm. the social aspect. So there's, Again, social aspects. So we talk about like LGBTQ rights, human rights record, and we see the criticism Jordan Henderson has got um, from being a huge LGBTQ community ally to going to Saudi Arabia. Like he's going to make good money, but what happens when he retires in a few years and wants to come back to England? He's not going to get a good reception in any way, shape or form because people would look at him as a sellout. Um, there's also the fact that if you think about it, if you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, he literally, the Saudi government had to give him an exemption to live with his girlfriend because there, exactly, an unmarried man and an unmarried woman who are not related cannot live together. So Absolutely. that's another aspect of it. You're looking at a lot of family. You're looking at a lot of footballers with families who want to. You know, go out, have fun. They're looking. They would look at it and go, "Is this where I really want to live?" And then, of course, there's weather, there's climate. It's bloody hot in Saudi Arabia. You're literally going to be inside <laughs> the entire time. They play their games in the evening for that reason alone. Like, I don't know if people will be going there, like Ruben Neves did on a consistent basis. I see it more like. A China thing, um. Well, China Chinese league before they introduced restrictions and budgetary caps. And mm. I see it as that kind of thing where you have players like Oscar and Co who could leave in the middle of their career, but after two three years they're gonna come back because now they've got the money, they're fine to keep playing football wherever else and to be happy just being somewhere where they could be free, where they could have fun. Um, or it could be like a what Didier Drogba and Anilka did and when they went there to finish off their careers and just soak in some extra cash while doing it, get loads of fans, yeah. build up build up um that image right in a new in a massive media market. And yeah, I think I don't think it's going to be a major league in the world. I don't think it will be like top 10 league like we have in England or Italy or France or Germany, Spain. I don't think it will be one of those. I believe it would be a retirement slash get rich quick, get rich quick league. And mm. that's it. What about you? What do you think about it? 
Well, I think you're right from a player's perspective, but if I look at it from the PIF perspective and the Saudi government perspective, I I think they're in this for the long haul. One is that they've got more money than anybody. And by me, and I mean a lot more money than anybody. This is this is for them. Is not about creating a football league per se within the Saudi arena. I mean, they, they don't have what's their largest gates? Eleven thousand, something like that. This is not. You know, we're not talking about a country which has a lot of people in it. This is all to do with basically whitewashing their whitewashing their agenda mm-hmm. from a political perspective. They're, so they're from that from that side of it. I actually see them becoming much more dominant in terms of sport. You've already seen it in terms of what they did in golf. We could talk about the golf one another time. Yeah. But from a football perspective, I think there is no doubt that they're going to continue what they're doing. They're going to buy up the best players. But in addition to that, they're going to buy up clubs. That's where it's going to go. And I think you'll see them, and I think what you'll then start seeing is that bit like what's happened with Man City where, from a Dubai perspective. But I mean, if you think, look what Dubai have done and Qatar have done in terms of PSG, in terms of Man City. These countries are insignificant in terms of money in comparison to, to what the Saudis are going, can do. They've got a lot more money, a lot, lot more money. So my expectation will be is that they will buy into uh, try and get people over into 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 the Saudi to play, but we're going to see them buy up more clubs. That's yeah. where it's going to go. And because they buy up more more clubs around the world, the next stage for them is going to be is is basically create a linkage between them. Yeah. You know, in essence, becoming feeder clubs, and therefore they'll be bringing more people back to to Saudi. People then will come and watch their people. People want to go and watch. There's some people who see every every team their team plays. So guess what? People will go to Saudi to see a game. You're going to see it, and as such, you're going to get. You people will say, "Hey, Saudi's not that bad. It's not as bad as people said it was." You saw it in the World Cup. People yeah. say, "Hey, people, well, Qatar's not that bad. You know, I could got I got a drink in such a such a place. I don't understand what the fuss is about. It helps to whitewash their political situation, and that's what they're doing with this. So. From my side, you're going to see, I think they're going to spend even more money on players because they don't, 100, 200 million for a year, what's that? That's nothing to them. They just, they, you, you have to remember, these are the people who control oil prices and they keep the oil prices low. If that's a situation where they need some more money, they just, they just either increase the flow of oil or they up the price. It's, they, <laughs> you, this is a completely different situation. And the problem now, I think, which I think world sports going to face is how are they going to take on, how are individual countries going to take on board uh, people like the Saudis who are going to come into their country and dominate the ownership of professional sport? That's, a, that's, an, that's an interesting situation. So for me, uh, I think you're going to see more players going. You're going to see people buying up clubs. And then moving plays between those clubs, which in essence was what happened at Newcastle. <laughs> That's what happened at Newcastle. Yeah. With the, the French, with that French player, Max, yeah, well, I forgot his name. Simon, you know, Simon. They've already, they, Maximin, yeah. They just, they, because what you can also do by doing that, you can then inflate the amount of money that you can actually then start, in, you can start to avoid the fair play deal. Mm. 
because you can start buying players at ridiculous prices and all of a sudden you say, oh, okay, I can go and buy any such and such a player and I'm well within my limits. So there's a whole stream of stuff about to happen. And I don't think professional sports associations like FIFA, the, the Premier League, have really got their heads in and around how this is going to impact them going forward. I'm sure there's one or two people have, but because if I'm thinking it, I'm sure other people are thinking it too. Um, yeah, I'm going to actually add to that. As you say this, um, today it's been announced the Zone, the streaming service, has been granted streaming rights to broadcast the Saudi Pro League games in the UK. So there's yeah. some of the expansion already that you spoke about. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a bit worrying, though, but... Yeah, I, I think it's worrying from the from a perspective of of dominance. Yeah. Of uh, one people, one organization coming and taking complete control over a sport. I think it's a concern, and and their ability to impact the the direction of that sport. I mean, the golf one is 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 a very clear what PIF are doing. They're taking over the PGA. They're taking over. European golf and basically world golf and they're going to be able to direct where it's going to go and even though they're saying we're in it to make a profit nah the profit is the side motive I and mean, I'm sure that's you know their real concern is to control it ensure they can start doing things to ensure that the political agenda is being met yeah it's, it's way of life and players are greedy man we want money they want money <laughs> how many of them are prepared to do a Colin Kerpenek and basically say, no, I, I, who I am is more important than the amount of money I make. I'm not prepared to shut up. I mean, we saw yeah. with Ruben Neves, who had like Barcelona, could have gone to any of the top clubs, really. A lot of the top clubs would have happily taken him. Mm. But he he wanted to go make money. I mean, he said it himself, like, yeah. he's got to take care of his family. So, yeah, yeah. it's one of those things, isn't it? It's generational wealth. Yeah. That's the thing. It would be that people don't. Re I mean, people say, "Oh, these footballers are so rich anyway." That it's you know, why are they doing that for? The difference is, a lot of these players are making great amounts of money. The difference is what the Sands are doing is they're giving you generational wealth in a short period of time, hmm. and you know, and that means that not only your family, but your not only your children, but your children's children and your children's children's children can benefit from the amount of money you make. I mean, I love it. And in many yeah. ways, you can't blame people for that. Yeah. I mean, if you're earning £150,000 a week before tax and someone offers you £300,000 a week after tax, you there's only one clip. I mean, there's one offer you're going to take. Even if, it's for, exactly. even if it's for two, three years, like that's more money than you would have made in five years on the old contract. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. It's just, um, you know, at what point... I understand, like, the logic behind it, but at the same time, it's £150,000 a week, even before tax, is no joke. Like, a lot of people Absolutely. are happy with that in a year. Like it's no joke, so it's not absolutely. It's it becomes a question of how much more money do you need before 
you say my values before you compromise your values like where is the line here at what point do you say my values matter more is the question uh, and you and you make a good point the, the other side to it though is let, let's flip it yeah. and simply say to yourselves okay i mean no let's not flip it let's let's we keep it under control at the moment but you're right i mean the situation is you've got as fans we would like to see our players loyal to our club that's the key of yeah. it i think what you have as professional sportsmen they are quote the first word is professional True. sportsmen they're professional footballers they don't come and play for us for nothing they're not like me and you who go and play football and then we have to pay our subs each week to, to go and play a sport you know those that you know, these guys don't pay for this kind of stuff you know they get the, everything gets given to them and therefore as far as they're concerned they're selling their skill sets to the highest bidder yeah okay and that's where it comes into it so i don't have this notion of of you know what what's your politics and this that and the other if you want to have if you really were are that motivated by it then yeah you can just go and play for your local team um do what you want. And when somebody comes along with an outrageous offer like this, then we say, thanks, but no thanks. I don't want to go there for the football. And you don't even have to tell your reasons. That's great. I think, and, then, and there's going to be a lot of players who aren't going to go. I mean, you saw it with Messi. Messi just said, I know, I'm going to go play MSL. Well. He could have probably could, he could have quadrupled his pay, I'm sure, <laughs> by going to play. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, with players like Mbappe and Messi, as much as they say, which understandable, there's also, the, I can also say those guys have probably earned that kind of multi-generational worth already, that they don't yeah. really, yes. it's more of a, I have the money already, I don't need this extra, yeah. at this point, don't need it. the marginal benefit isn't that great, so, no. yeah, it's an interesting one, I think. I want to see what happens over the next two, three years and see mm. how many players make the move and what the Saudi Pro League itself begins to do. Um, even the Premier League, how the Premier League oh. reacts to it, how the top, how UEFA is going to mm. react to it. Uh, it's going to be really interesting yeah. to watch. It'll be really interesting. I'm interested to see what happens with how many other clubs are, bought, are being bought up by... Saudi-based organizations. Yeah, that's the one that becomes interesting for me, and you know, and what they plan to do about it. How they, if they plan to buy it, you know, what the way Man City have done. They, the, the owners of there, they've gone up and bought teams here in the sort in the UK, in America, in Australia, try to create a brand and everything else. I, I think that we're going to see more of that. I think, yeah. but even more so from the Saudis. I think they've got their heads switched on. They've made a, a clear plan to break into pro sport around the world. You know, they're in Formula One. They're in. They've, they've already. They're already in the NBA because they've taken a small stake in a couple of teams. Yeah, it's already there. So, um, yeah, it's it's on the horizon. Scary horizon. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I think we're going to end this one with a new section. This is your idea, of Leslie. So I want you to tell us what it is and say what you what it's about. No, no you you should have, it's, you should introduce it and I'll okay. respond. 
So this section is blow your steam. So Uncle Leslie, what's blow your steam about? I, okay, the idea of blow your steam is that if there's a particular topic in sport that in one sense it's really irritated you and you basically want to let your hair go and just let it go, um, then this is the section for it. In many ways, we've already done it <laughs> because I want to talk about the PIF and Saudi. Yeah. But that was, in one sense, that, that would have been blow, that's exactly blow your steam. But let, let me take it into the next level. Um, so in terms of sports, um, in terms of an area where I particularly want to blow my steam off this week, as, as IFA has introduced me to me to talk about, I'd like to blow my steam off. And it's going to be, in one sense, about my team. That's where it should always be, about the personal thing. Let me do the personal thing, okay? Let me blow my steam off about Tottenham, <laughs> because I've, I've got to say, right? Yeah. We've we've bought we've gone up and bought a few more players. We bought four players this year, okay? The key is we have to get a new keeper, which is we had to do. We brought this Italian player in, and we've got a couple of defenders. But I, I want to blow my steam and say, when oh when oh when will our chairman just? really say to, say to our manager, you know what, it doesn't matter what you do, just go out and enjoy yourself. I'm not going to stick my hands in. If you want players, I will fund you. If you want to do anything you want, I will just, just go off and do it. I'd love to see us do that. Now, I won't know what's going to happen until the season starts. But, you know, there's a complete, everything you still keep hearing what's going on behind the club is that, we're still under control. We're still doing this. We're still doing that. And I think the key is he's just waiting to sell. I really think – because, you know, that's the big thing is our owner is now being indicted in, yeah, in America. Insider trading. Insider trading. So, therefore, right, we, we're going to have to be sold. We're going to have to be sold. So, man, listen, I've got to say to Levy, thank you very much for what you've done for us. And sell us to a Saudi owner. That's where I want us to be bought by. I want us to be bought by a Saudi-based owner who's going to pump so much money into us is going to make everybody else look like they're sick. And Harry's going to want to say, man, I want to come back and play for that team because we've got rid of those sets of people. That's what I want to blow my steep off about, right? Because that's what we need. See, everything we talked about up until now has linked into this. You see... Uh, have pulled everything see, together. I see. I see what you. We did. want. I want a Saudi owner to take us over. Put so much money into Tottenham that you know that the likes of you, a Man United fan, will simply say, "Damn, we're never going to win this league again." And I want to hear Pep saying, "I'm retiring," but this time I'm retiring for good because you know what he's going to do? He's going to coach in the Saudi league. Yeah. I want to see Pep go to the Saudi league because. They're spending so much money on Tottenham that we've dominated the whole damn place. That's what's going to happen. So I'm blowing my steam up about that. Go on. So thank you for giving me this chance to talk <laughs> about it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to put all these different things together so I could link it to blow my steam. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I could sense, I could feel the frustration. Yeah. As soon as you said your team, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a good one." It's about time. You guys do need, you guys do need a new owner, but you know, 
all this wishful Saudi thinking. I'm just, I'm just chilling. You know, I'm just watching, enjoying, enjoying the hey, suffering. You, you listen. You were chilling when I said, but you were chilling when I said you asked me where, where's Harry going, and I said to you months ago, Bayern Munich. Watch this space, right? You heard it here first. Well, you heard it here first okay. yeah. on each occasion. <laughs> You know, if you put money, if you put money on it, right, yeah. you could have made a load of money by now. That's true. And you're hearing it now. That's true. You're hearing it now. That's... If you want to put money on it, Tottenham being bought by a Saudi a Saudi club, by a Saudi backed owner. I don't really know what bet market would give me those kind of odds, but I'll have a look, see if I can put something on it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that and yeah, that and some more. Holding Chile to under four, under fifty points. Sorry, so yeah. Chile holding someone under fifty points. Yeah, that I think is going. Yeah, that if that's if they do that, I think they've done really well. I really do because I don't think they're going to hold England under fifty, and I don't think they're going to hold Argentina under fifty. Okay. And yeah, yeah that's not going to happen. Well, we're gonna we're gonna swamp them. <laughs> Irrespective of we've It's been on. a great time. So yeah. Back to doing this again. Quite unhappy quite happy with this. Yeah. Quite like the new format. Yeah. I like the new format too. It's great to do this again. Mm. And really let's try and get this going more often. Yeah. Okay. Happy and to do so. Yeah. Do it once a week. It's because I've realized it's almost it's almost a year since our first episode. Right. And wow. we've only done about fifth. This is going to be technically our sixteenth episode, so right. we are quite far behind that regard. So I want yeah. the next year to be like very good. I want it to be okay. tip top. We get as much as possible out there. Okay. All right. Then yeah. Let's, I'll, let me hang up and say goodbye. And hopefully, you got everything, and I'll make sure I leave it on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Okay, take okay, take care. Uh, you Bye. too. Bye.